Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Story after story has come out in recent years about brutal murders and horrific attacks, all committed by delusional meth users. Mothers killing children, a boyfriend beating a girlfriend to death, a woman drowning her baby, all by people who are high on meth when they commit these unthinkable crimes. Today we will discuss five of these crimes. Crimes committed by people using meth this week on Mysteriously Listed. Number 5, Aid Mendez. Jesus Gonzalez lived in the gated community in Fresno, California. The complex had a playground and it was seen as a family-friendly neighbourhood. Just before 7am January 15, 2012, Gonzalez heard fighting in the apartment next door before the raised voices suddenly ended in gunshots. Someone then began pounding on his front door. When Gonzalez looked out his front door, he saw his 33-year-old neighbour, Eduardo Lopez. He was being stabbed by his 23-year-old live-in girlfriend, Aide Mendez. As Eduardo was being attacked, a seven-year-old girl who was sleeping over with the family that night ran out of the apartment and into the hallway before running out of Gonzalez's line of sight. Mendez continued stabbing Eduardo with a steak knife before he fell to the ground. Gonzalez then opened the front door to his apartment to see if he could help the man. Gonzalez tried to pull Eduardo into his apartment to safety, while Mendez tried to pull him back out into the hall again. Finally, Gonzalez managed to get Eduardo into his apartment, and he shut the door. Once the two men were safely in the apartment, they called 911. Eduardo then went outside to wait for the police to arrive. When police got to the apartment complex, they found Eduardo bleeding heavily in the parking lot. Besides being stabbed, he'd also been shot in the neck. Moments after the police arrived, they heard a gunshot from inside the apartment. When the police made their way inside the apartment, they found Mendez's cousin, 27-year-old Paul Medina, dead from a gunshot wound. In the bathroom, they found Mendez. The gunshot the police had heard when they arrived had been Mendez shooting herself. However, sadly, this would not be the end of the carnage. Also in the bathroom were her children, three-year-old Isaiah and 17-month-old Aaliyah. Both children had been shot in the head, execution style. Isaiah was already dead, but Aaliyah was holding on to life. She and Eduardo were rushed to the hospital. Eduardo would survive, but sadly, Aaliyah would succumb to her injuries and she would die shortly after arriving at the hospital. 
The seven-year-old girl who was in the apartment when the massacre began escaped without any physical injuries, but what she saw that day she would never recover from. The small community was shocked at how a seemingly loving mother could slaughter her whole family. After a search of the apartment, police suspected that drugs were a contributing factor. They found 10 grams of methamphetamines, scales, and almost $8,000 in cash in the apartment. They also found a video on an iPad that was recorded several hours before the murders. This video showed Aide Mendez smoking meth with her cousin. An autopsy was performed on Mendez and her blood levels were tested. 300 milligrams of meth per milliliter is enough to impair the judgment in a normal adult. Mendez's blood levels were eight times this amount. Now, unfortunately, this area in Fresno has experienced issues controlling meth distribution and usage. So while the police said the crime itself was shocking, the fact that meth was involved was not. Number 4. Stefano Brizzi 50-year-old Stefano Brizzi lived in London, England, and he was obsessed with the television show Breaking Bad. One thing he loved more than Breaking Bad, however, was smoking crystal meth. By 2016, his drug addiction had gotten so bad, he lost his £70,000 a year web developer job at Morgan Stanley. He tried to get sober several times, but unfortunately he was not able to kick the habit. In the last week of March 2016, Brizzy went on a gay dating app, Grinder, to arrange two drug-filled orgies. On April 1st, 2016, the evening of the second party, someone buzzed to gain access to the apartment. It was an on-duty police officer, 57-year-old Gary Semple. However, he was not there to break up the sex party. Instead, he asked if he could join. For the next several hours, the two men tried to find other participants. Gary would notice that Brizzy was acting strangely, and he asked the man if he had any mental problems. Brizzy admitted at the time he was high on methamphetamines. Later, when another man agreed to join them and buzzed the intercom to Brizzy's apartment, he was told the party was over. Quote, we're having a situation here. Someone fell ill, but we're taking care of it. So our party is cancelled. Unquote. At the time of his death, Gary Semple was in an open relationship. But when he didn't return home that night, his partner became worried. The next day, he reported Gary missing to the police. In the days that followed, Brizzy's neighbours noticed an odd smell coming from his apartment. When he was asked about the stench, Brizzy said he was cooking for a friend. It would be after a week one of Brizzy's neighbours called the police because they could no longer live with the smell. It was overwhelming by this point. When the police arrived at Brizzy's apartment, he was only wearing pink underwear. He immediately confessed to trying to dissolve a body, quote, I've killed a police officer. I met him on Grinder, and I killed him. Satan told me to, unquote. 
Brizzy led the police to Gary's remains, which were in a bathtub, which was filled also with acid. Brizzy was arrested and charged with murder. However, once he was in police custody, Brizzy changed his story. He said that Gary Semple died during a sex act. He said that Gary was wearing a dog collar when he slipped and accidentally strangled himself to death. Now, the police did not believe his story, and they believed he was the person responsible for Gary's murder, while under a meth-induced haze. In Brizzy's apartment, they found Gary's DNA on a chopping board, in a cooking pot, and on a pair of chopsticks. They also found teeth marks on one of his rib bones. The police believe that after killing Gary, Brizzy dismembered, cooked and ate some of his remains with a pair of chopsticks. In December 2016, Stefano Brizzy was convicted of killing Gary Semple, and a month later, he would receive the minimum sentence of 24 years. On February 5, 2017, about two months into his sentence, Brizzy hung himself in the prison cell. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Number 3 is Zachary Cohen and Cheyenne Harris. 26 year old Zachary Cohen and his girlfriend, Cheyenne Harris, began dating just before Harris's 18th birthday. They were on again and off again for several years before Harris became pregnant with the couple's daughter. The young family would move into an apartment together in Alta Vista, Iowa. On May 1st, 2017, Harris gave birth to the couple's second child, a son named Sterling. Four months later, on August 30th, at 12.57pm, Cohen called 911. He told the 911 operator that his four-month-old baby was dead. Police and paramedics quickly arrived at the apartment and they would be sickened by what they found. The couple claimed they had fed Sterling at four that morning and then sometime between 11 and 11.30am, they checked on the baby and he was dead. However, it wouldn't be until almost two hours later that Cohen would call 911. When police and paramedics arrived at the apartment, the couple led them to Sterling's bedroom. The couple and their daughter slept in a different room. When the first responders found the baby, he was sitting on an electronic swing chair. Not only was Sterling dead, but he smelt horrible and he was covered in maggots. An autopsy was performed on baby Sterling. When he died, he only weighed 7 pounds and he was 14 inches long. This put him well below the 5th percentile on weight and length for his age. The medical examiner called in a forensic entomologist to further assess the maggots. They concluded that Sterling had been in the swing chair for at least a week. During that time, he had not been bathed and his diapers had not been changed once. The police interviewed Cohen and Harris again, 
and they would admit the last time they checked on their baby was the day before they called 911. The couple also admitted they had a history of smoking methamphetamines, but Harris claimed she had not done this for a couple of months. Cohen claimed it had been a couple of weeks since he last smoked the drug. The couple were not arrested immediately, but their daughter was removed from their custody. In the two months following Sterling's death, Cohen posted regularly on Facebook. In a post that he wrote and Harris replied to, they both expressed genuine surprise that their daughter was taken from their home. The couple were not arrested immediately, but their daughter was removed from their custody. In the two months following Sterling's death, Cohen regularly posted on Facebook. In a post he wrote and Harris replied to, they both expressed genuine surprise of their daughter being taken from them. Another time, Cohen posted a meme of a group of pit bulls with a caption reading, quote, To some, I will always be the bad guy, unquote. One of his friends replied to the post and told him that he was the bad guy for neglecting his baby son and allowing him to die. It would not be until February 2019 the final sentences were handed down. After only five hours of deliberation, both Cohen and Harris were found guilty of first-degree murder and child neglect. They were both denied a retrial request and will both serve out life sentences without the possibility of parole. Number 2. Michael Cardamon Warrilli is a small town in Victoria, Australia. It has around 500 residents, one of whom was 49-year-old Kerry Chekkadi, who lived on a large piece of property in the town. She had two children who she shared custody with the children's father. On January 12, 2016, Kerry's children were with their father, so Kerry went to the pub in town, but she left around 7.30pm. No one noticed her acting strange or unusual. At around 9.15, she was chatting with friends on Facebook before suddenly she stopped responding to messages. The next day, she did not show up for work. The day after that, her car was found 15 miles away from her home. It had been torched and only the shell of the car remained. The police went to check Carrie's home, and when they got there, they got an odd feeling something wasn't quite right. The lights were on, but no one appeared to be home. Fearing for her safety, they entered the house, but Carrie was not inside. They did find her purse, but her cell phone was missing. This only alarmed the police further, and Carrie Chekkadi became an official missing person. The police spoke to her family, friends and co-workers, and her phone records were checked. Several people mentioned she was worried about a farmhand who lived next door, 50-year-old Michael Cardamon. Cardamon had been in prison for nine years for sexually assaulting a 15-year-old girl. Carey told friends that Cardamon had been coming around to her property, offering to help her with some odd jobs. Phone records would show Cardamon called Carey just before she stopped talking to her friends on Facebook. Cardamon was interviewed by police and he admitted to seeing Carey right before she disappeared. He said he sold her some cherry tomatoes. 
The police looked in Carey's fridge and they found some cherry tomatoes, just as Cardamon said. These were checked for fingerprints, and they found one set would later be matched back to Cardamon. Five days after Carey went missing, the police went to arrest Cardamon. He fled and the police chased him. During the 75-minute police chase, the police brought in a helicopter. Cardamon was later arrested unharmed. The day after Cardamon was arrested, Carey Cuddy's body was found in bushland near Buffalo Lake. Cardamon did not tell the police where to find the body. Instead, they found her body by tracing cell phone pings. She had died a horrific death that still haunts investigators to this day. The police told Cardamon they knew he was responsible for the murder, to which he adamantly denied being involved. He blamed a friend of his. Now, this friend was questioned and they too denied murdering Carey, that they only helped Cardamon, setting her car on fire. While in prison, Cardamon tried to put out a hit on his friend as this friend was going to testify against him in his murder trial. Cardamon arranged for his mother to pay the hitman. However, this hitman turned out to be an undercover police officer, and Cardamon's mother was arrested for conspiracy to commit murder. In June 2016, Cardamon changed his plea to guilty for the murder of Kerry Chetcuddy under a plea deal where, in exchange, the charges against his mother would be dropped. Cardamon would ultimately change his story 18 times about what happened that night. One reason for this was because Cardamon was under the influence of methamphetamines on the night he murdered Kerry. Based on his confessions, evidence that was collected, and the autopsy report, police do think they know what happened that night. That Cardamon showed up at Carey's home, forcing his way inside. Once inside, he tied her up. To subdue her, he forced her to take animal tranquilizers and meth. After this, he transferred her to a shed on his property. Here, she was sexually assaulted and tortured. Cardamon injecting Carey with battery acid. After hours of rape and torture, she was then transported to where the police would later find her. Here, the goal was to kill her. He hit her in the head several times with a brick, fracturing her skull. Cardamon then dosed her body with gasoline before setting her on fire. Now, unfortunately, the fractured skull did not kill her, and she was alive when she was set on fire, ultimately burning to death. After she was dead, Cardamon ran over her charred body with his car several times. Michael Cardamon was given the harshest sentence possible for a murder charge in Australia, which is life without parole. This would be a landmark case in Australia because previously, life without parole was only given to those who committed more than one murder. Cardamon is currently appealing his sentence. Number 1. Michelle Martins and Fabian Gonzalez Tuesday, August 23, 2016, was supposed to be a special day for Victoria Martins, who lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Not only was this the first day of school, but it was also her 10th birthday. Her birthday party was to be held the following Saturday. 
At about 3.45pm on her birthday, Victoria got off the school bus and went into her family's apartment. In the apartment was Victoria's 36-year-old mother, Michelle Martins, and her mother's new boyfriend, 33-year-old Fabian Gonzalez, and Gonzalez's 26-year-old cousin, Jessica Kelly. The next morning, shortly before 4.30, the police were called to the apartment. When the police entered the apartment, it was full of smoke. They went to the source of the smoke, which was the bathtub, where a blanket was burning. Wrapped inside the burning blanket was the remains of 10-year-old Victoria Munns. Most of her left leg and both her arms were missing. Organs were also removed from her body. When the police entered the apartment, Jessica Kelly jumped off the balcony, trying to flee, but she was too badly injured to run away and she was arrested. Victoria's mother, Michelle Martins, and her boyfriend, Fabian Gonzalez, were also arrested. Once they were in police custody, Martins told the police a horrifying story. Martins said for the last several months she had been sex trafficking her young daughter. She let two of her co-workers, men she met on Plenty of Fish dating site, and her boyfriend rape Victoria dozens of times. She said she did not take any money for this, but she said she just enjoyed watching the men rape her daughter. Martin said that at about three on the morning the police were called, Gonzalez wanted to rape Victoria. Martin said she gave her daughter crystal meth orally, and then she and Kelly held her down while Gonzalez raped her. Martin said she thought the meth killed Victoria, but the medical examiner determined cause of death was most likely due to strangulation or fatal stabbing. Martins then claimed Kelly stabbed Victoria and Gonzalez dismembered her. Now at first the police and the district attorney believed her story, and the autopsy report seemed to validate her story as well. Ten-year-old Victoria had a sexually transmitted infection, so she most likely was raped weeks or months before her murder. She'd also been raped shortly before she died. However, Martin's boyfriend, Fabian Gonzalez, he swore he did not hurt, rape or kill Victoria. Gonzalez's version of events was the night of Victoria's murder, at around seven. He and Martins left the apartment. Victoria was left at home with his cousin, Jessica Kelly. Martins and Gonzalez came home an hour and a half later, at around 8.45. When they got home, they didn't check on Victoria. Instead, they ate some tacos, had sex, and then fell asleep. Gonzalez said they could compare his DNA to any DNA they found on Victoria's body, and it would not be a match. In January 2017, a new district attorney took office in Albuquerque, and he had the case re-examined. The results of the re-examination were shocking. First, the DA office found absolutely no evidence Martins had her daughter sex-trafficked or raped. Secondly, witnesses were interviewed, and the DA office was able to put together a timeline from when Victoria got off the school bus and when the police arrived the next morning. The last time Victoria was seen alive by anyone outside her apartment was at 7.35pm. 
A minute later, Martins and Gonzalez left the apartment for little over an hour and a half. Minutes after they returned home, neighbours saw Kelly carrying Victoria's lifeless body. She went down the stairs and then came back up to the apartment. The medical examiner thought that Victoria was killed sometime between 7 and 8.45pm, the nights before the police were called to the apartment. Since Victoria was seen alive at 7.35, she was most likely killed between then and 8.45. During that time, witnesses placed both Martin and Gonzalez at different parts in the city. This means they weren't home when Victoria was killed. Another problem with the case is that Martin said they gave Victoria meth to calm her down, but the medical examiner could not find any trace of meth in her system. The medical examiner did find some male DNA on Victoria's body, but when the DNA was compared to Gonzalez, it was not a match. As of the time of this recording, who the DNA belongs to, it's not known. After the case was re-examined by the DA office, the murder charges against Martins and Gonzalez were dropped. Martin, however, pled guilty to child abuse that resulted in the death of her child. This charge was because she left her child in the care of Jessica Kelly. Kelly had recently been released from prison, and on the night Victoria died, she was high on meth. The murder charges were not dropped against Kelly, and she is awaiting sentencing. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you've heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 